My guest today is Stephen Rosenthal. Stephen is the CEO of Doc Live and Aura Media. He has built several companies up from the ground up and is a wealth of knowledge on how to grow a business. So today we bounce around a little bit, but I talked to him a lot about how he did the things that he did to grow his business and how other people and business owners and marketers can do the same. So let's jump right in. All right, Stephen, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking time. I know you're super busy. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for having me on. I know we've been trying to do this for a little while, so I appreciate I you having me on. And with the holidays and everything, everyone's, you know, kind of all over the place. So yeah, we threw having a new baby into the mix as well. So that's, that's always. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, when was the baby yeah. born? Boy or girl? October. And it's our, our second. We had a uh, 15 month old when he was born. So two little oh, boys man. keeps us busy for sure. <laughs> wow. I don't have kids and I can't imagine, you know, I have kids yeah, and that's it. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's good. I mean, that's a, that's a always fun though, right? It's hard enough. I always say that to my husband, like, how do people do it? You know, I have friends that have like three and four kids. Like, I, but yeah, so I wanted to just jump right in, but I wanted to start with something you mentioned in your bio about jujitsu that you just started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to start with something that is, a, you know, kind of a hobby or of interest yeah. outside yeah. of the business. So tell me about that. You just started about a year ago. Yeah, I did. I, the reason I laugh is I, I just had an MRI last week from it. I have some nerve injury in my neck but um from that? yeah i've always yeah well it's they say it's from a combination of things running lifting and, and that but yeah it's, i started that out it's been pretty cool you know it's always something i wanted to try i traditionally like into more like ball based sports like basketballs football stuff like that mm-hmm. football yeah this this was something new to try out and i've heard that it's it's like the best sport like combat type sport that you can do as you grow older as well. And my body tends to be breaking down for some reason these days. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's been, it's been a lot of fun. And it was funny this past year, also kind of mainstream culture picked up a lot of steam between like the UFC doing more with jujitsu. And then, uh, they're like big Olympics is the ADCC and they had the biggest one in Vegas this past year. And it was, it was pretty cool to watch. There's like a, a current kind of head honcho guy that's has a, big personality but is also just a real good practitioner and beast so but it's it's cool it's it also relates a lot to business which i've been super surprised about it's amazing how like i go at lunch how like i'll have a maybe a rough day at work the first half of the day or something go go in there roll with some black belts that are just like throwing me or mopping the floor with me <laughs> and then come back and I'm like, wow, like, you know, it kind of puts everything into perspective and you're in right. like tough, tough circumstances constantly. You kind of have to think while you're in a tough circumstance. So it definitely helps, helps with the mind for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, back in the day I took Taekwondo. Oh yeah. Made it to like brown belt. I took it. Nice. Years, my my parents cool. were, were black belt. So it's like, if wow, I was going to nice. have any chance. Yeah. My yeah. mother's Japanese and she had, cool. you know, her instructor was Japanese. And so she, uh, she really cool. kind of fell into it. Yeah. Then I started, when you get to brown belt, black belt, you start getting hit a lot. Like I got the yeah. wind knocked out of me and I'll never forget it because it was scary. Like you just can't breathe, you know? And I'm like, yeah. all right, yeah. I think I'm done with this. <laughs> and I was yeah. really young at the time. Like, I don't want to have injuries. Boy, yeah. Life, but, yeah. But yeah, yeah all those that. martial arts, it's a lot of mind, mind, yeah. not mind control, but like, yeah, you have to sort of get yeah. head into yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like it. 
I, I like it a lot. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I've been off the mats for about three months because of this neck injury, but I'll get back soon. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Necks are not yeah. things to mess with. But <laughs> the other thing, I know you've owned a couple of different businesses. Can you first give a little bit of background on how you started in business and where you are now? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a fuller background. I think, you know, I started in college. I went to school for bio pre-med, wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. That was kind of the aspiration. Then in the process, graduated there, my undergrad and trying to apply to med schools. It's a very arduous process. I know listeners who either has a relative or have tried themselves. It, it can be pretty grueling. I'm not really a good standardized test taker, not really a brainiac. So it really burned me out pretty big time. So I started to look at alternatives even while I was applying to med school. Like I had the grades, had the MCAT score, started down the interview process, but my heart wasn't in it. And at that point, and it's like 10 more years of schooling at a minimum. And I'm like, my heart's yeah. not in it. And I'm signing up for another decade. Like, <laughs> is this the right move? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's so like, a well, really long 10 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, what can I do in the interim? And my, my grandfather, my great grandfather, you know, door to door encyclopedia sales and the world, world wars. And my grandfather was VP of sales for like a big uh, welding company. And my dad had started a couple businesses in his career. So I was like, you know, why don't I try sales? Try, you know, something, it's like something that's just talking to people, not a big learning curve, <laughs> like become an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. So it's a little so, different. Though. Yeah, a little yeah. different. So, and, you know, I had done door to door sales throughout high school for landscaping companies and did all kinds of different like sales related stuff. So started selling for a small dental implant company, got to use some of my anatomy and, and physiology background there and that really fell in love with deal making, finding issues, or even just like my whole approach, I was selling dental implants to like a general practice dentist. My whole approach was how do you level up your business as a dentist and bring on a whole new market of people and solve like a problem that just leaves clients really, really excited and happy at patients with, with the results. So that was my approach and really fell in love with that and was like, you know what? This sales thing, deal making, business building, and and trying to map that against a career, that's where I want to go. So then I ended up at Stryker Orthopedics, which was like, I, I felt like I needed to go somewhere to really get trained well. So they're top med device sales organization in the Fortune 500. And that was like trial by fire. It was intense. <laughs> I was a trauma sales rep. So I got my fix of working with orthos, like I was in the hospitals with them, you know, like supporting the trauma cases, you know, gunshot yeah. wounds, you know, crazy car accidents, all kinds of different stuff and very high intensity trying to help them figure out what product to use um, to put this person back together on the table. So it was very intense, but I really enjoyed it. And then again, that was like for a season and I was uh -huh. like, you know what? I, I just got married. I'm like, I need something that's going to like help with the my work-life balance. I need to actually be away from work, not sleep in the parking garage of hospitals every night. You know, it's like, what that am I doing? Get old. <laughs> yeah, I can get old. So then I pivoted over into tech sales, selling software and for a smaller company. And all that, that all the, you know, that background that I lead up to was I quickly realized the brand that I had at Stryker in selling just made my sales so much easier. And it was like, I never had to explain who Stryker was to any client. It was almost like it would get me in the door. It would elevate my credibility, even though I was a newer team member there. And it would, it would 
bring the conversation to another level every single time. And I, I kind of took it for granted while I was in it, but then moving into tech and I'd be like, I have to explain who the, who the company is. Like, this is so weird, you know? <laughs> so I was like, it's a whole step you didn't have yeah, to do before. Yeah. I know. I was like, that opened my eyes to the world of marketing for sure. And how influential marketing is actually in building any business, whether you're selling med device to orthos or financial automation software to manufacturing companies, everything in between. It really makes sales easier. And then it's a huge variable to growing the business. And there's a lot of unforeseen benefits that happen just over a long-term investment into that. So that's when I decided, why don't I figure out if there's a way for me to bring like a low barrier to entry, really organic approach to building brand, but I'm a sales guy. Like it's, everything's got to move the needle revenue wise. And I'm used to being tied to a revenue number. So it's like, how do I marry those two together? Making sales easier through marketing. And that's really where we started the marketing agency, Ara Media. And it's focused on content driven marketing. Very common thing in the space. It's not, not (laughs) rocket science, right? We typically try to leverage the time of the, of an expert in the business and then look at organic growth opportunities in, in digital channels like LinkedIn, podcasting, email marketing, you know, things like th- of that nature. And not really on the paid ad spend side, but more on like the organic side. So that started in 2020. I went on my own payroll three days before COVID shut down. <laughs> I was going to say 2020. <laughs> yeah. Whenever somebody mentions that year, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it was intense. Pandemic. It was like first time on my own payroll, you know, we're like expecting a baby and I'm like, crap, the world shut down. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, but it ended up being great. It's a great time to start a, a company that is trying to help others show up digitally. Right, right. Ended up being it's a pretty good time. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so we built, we started to build that. And then at the end of um, 2021, I had the opportunity to purchase our largest customer, which is a software business, Pick Stock Live. So we bought, we bought them and then transitioned the ownership over the past year. And then we've, we've incubated a few other like small, I call them side dish type experiments over that year period as well. So we got our, our hands in some real estate. We started a uh, car rental business. So renting out a Ford Bronco and uh, building out that business, but just some like constantly trying to find little stuff to get involved in. So it's been, it's been a lot, a lot of fun and. I think we're just really getting started, honestly, but it's been a lot yeah. of fun building it so far. Well, it sounds like you've always been an entrepreneur. Do you think that people are always like, is that something you're born with? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I felt like for me personally, I can speak from my own experience. I feel like I couldn't not do it. Like, for instance, like in high school, when I needed to make some money, I printed out flyers, walked around door to door and sold like three mulching jobs and made my money for the summer. Or like when I wanted to get my first job, I remember I printed out my resumes. I had like 15 different resumes and hopped on my bike. I was like 13 and was pedaling around to every single store in every strip market or mall, whatever that was near my house that I could, that I could pedal my bike to, you know, in my collared shirt, you know, it was just like, I couldn't, couldn't not try and grind and didn't get didn't get hired anywhere. I was like, come on, like, you know, nobody hired me. <laughs> Somebody, so yeah. started my uh, Rosenthal landscaping business. And same thing in college, you know, it was like every time I needed needed to make some money, you know, when I started dating my now wife, I was like, need some money for some dates, 
hop in yeah. my sedan, strap a wheelbarrow to the top and go <laughs> mow some people's yards. <laughs> you know, what's funny so. is it seems like, like, cause when I first moved out to California from the East coast and I, I was a personal trainer at that time. Oh, and so cool. I was doing in-home personal training yeah. and I did similar to you. I ran off all these flyers and I found yeah. a company that distributed them. And so nice. I just, that's, that's I, the smarter, not harder. <laughs> Well, some That's of these places were like gated or I couldn't get in. And so I had, but I got a lot of people that way. And there were people yeah. who actually saved my flyers. And this was back in 2002 or three, I guess, around there. And so, yeah, I ended up getting clients that way. And awesome. it's just funny when you think about it, because yeah. when you look back, it's like, I can't believe I did that, but yeah, know, it worked, know. you know, <laughs> know. it's almost like, what was I thinking? But hey, so what do yeah. you think is like? As far as building a business, what are like the biggest challenges that you see that you've experienced and maybe that you see in other companies? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can speak to this too, having built some yourself, but not like you. Know, you. I, I mean, I've never, I've never done great. I've always just gotten bored and moved on to something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can I tend to just collect whatever I have moved on from as well. So <laughs> yeah, I think, um, some of the hardest challenges. Well, there's a, I think there's a dichotomy and a balance between a lot of the conversations in business that may sometimes don't capture the headlines as much or capture like the eyeballs on, on socials and stuff. But I do think that like, I think personnel management, talent acquisition and retainment and then leveling people's talent up to the next level so they could get to the, their full potential over years. I think that is probably the, one of the toughest challenges, but also a massive opportunity. And I think it's, I think people first, we just did a podcast that, that'll be released on our, on the, you know, my podcast about how to think about people in business. And my best friend is, is our finance guy. We've actually tapped into a ton of like the high school network, believe it or not, like this first and second degree connections from high school. We've hired, I think like nine people or so over the past year and like, Seven of them have been somehow connected to somebody from high school. It's kind oh, of crazy. I'm not, I'm not nowhere near the person that I was in high school now. So it's kind of funny that, you know, apparently I didn't tarnish my brand too bad. Right. <laughs> but I do think that that's a big variable is people. And I think people that are able to run a, a people centric business is huge. And one of the things that we landed on while we were doing our podcast on it too was like, it influences the P&L. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's not always good business just to, to focus on people. But you can think about it as like building both your balance sheet and then running a, a quality P&L. It's like investing in your people. It's like the same reason why you don't work at a desk falling apart or like you don't have crummy internet when you're running a digital business or or like you don't keep the door open to your house. It's like you invest in your assets to protect them and to grow their value, right? Mm -hmm. And so you could think about it that way if you really want to think about it from a purely business standpoint is like they are your assets and they're also your biggest expense in your P&L. So if you're going to spend a ton of your money on people, why would you not want to make that line item on your P&L as the most efficient thing as possible and the most quality purchase that you're making every year or every month? So I, I see it from that perspective on the business side. But then also it's like you can be proud of what you're doing. If you can bring people that are excited about the vision or the direction that you're going. I mean, we're not, we're talking about a marketing agency and a financial automation company. We're not like solving world hunger or like <laughs> things like that. It's, but we can still attach a, an important vision 
to and make people's lives, especially their professional lives, mean something when they come to work with us. And that's really, I think, the goal for us, at least, is like we want to provide that sort of goal. And we, we fail at it often, but it's like something that we definitely strive for. And I think it's a, it's a challenge, but it's, it's a huge variable. And yeah. I mean, a good example, we both, you know, know Vanessa who works on the marketing side. You know, she came on via Upwork. I had like a whole interview process for somebody to come in and help manage my email back in 2020. And when I first started things and uh, she came on five hours a week just to help with my email. Cause I was getting like somewhere between 500 and 600 emails. Cause I was running all the sales for a couple organizations. So she would triage it all and help me figure out what to, what to prioritize, things like that. Well, now she like is the project manager and she had been running the marketing agency until she's on maternity leave for the past year. So it's like she migrated into that role from like getting furloughed from a hotel, working five hours a week with us. And then there's just potential there, you know, and she was right. a, about the vision and worked her tail off and was, you know, running the, th- running the thing, kept it afloat while I was working on running this other software business that we had just acquired. So yeah, huge opportunity there. Yeah, it's a long-winded like answer evil. with only one topic, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I've done things like, you know, I, I've way back and I wouldn't even say one year because it was, <laughs> it was a long time ago. I ran a bakery of all things. Oh, and, nice. And so that's the first time I had to hire people. Mm-hmm. And I remember somebody who had a, a restaurant owner I was friends with and he said, you're going to start having problems because your problems are going to start when you have to hire people. And I laughed it off. I'm like, what could be so bad? It, it's really hard to it find hard. people who are good and who are consistent and who stay that way. Like I've hired a lot of VAs and, and people that help me, you know, assist my, my work. And it seems like there's a honeymoon period where they're really excited. And then they just, they just kind of find other things or they double their prices. And I, you know, I can't afford them. But it, it just seems like that's the, the sticking yeah. point for me in my own business that has been getting people. I have somebody that I'm working with right now and she just texted me last week. She got pneumonia and she's in the middle of like literally redoing a website, you know, and then those are things out of our control too. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, but it took me a while to find her. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, a good book. It, it's actually, they used a bakery as the example, which is kind of funny. It's a by Michael Gerber. It's called the E-Myth. Um, oh, I've seen that. Okay. It's really good book. One of the, one of the guys that I work with here in the office, I, Handed it to and bug him at like every other week. It's like, Hey, have you read it yet? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a really good book. And it talks about the journey of like a baker who's like a technician, right? Like they love baking and they start a bakery to bake, but then they end up with like a crazy challenging job where they're up at 5 a.m. every day, like baking all the time. Then they've got to run the business at the end of the day, you know, and it goes through that whole story of like them hiring like a finance person to run the books. It's like, wow. I don't have to run the books anymore. It's like such a relief. And then it slowly shows how like you're moving from technician to like more of like a manager type role. And there's one other intermediate step that I'm blanking on right now, but eventually to the entrepreneur level role. And what's funny is the commonalities in your, as a, as like an entrepreneur, as a business owner or leader, it's pretty like insert the business here type role. (laughs) You know, it's like, how do you evaluate the market? How do you allocate capital? How do you, you know, think about retainment, retaining and encouraging and supporting your people? Mm-hmm. How do you market your business well? Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's the same job. <laughs> well, do you have like, like one of the things I regret is not 
having some kind of a business background. Like, do you, did you go to, like, I know you started school for going into medical school, but what, do you have a background in business? No, I don't. I mean, I, other than like the, you know, the watching kind of my dad do his thing, but it was, it was pretty opaque. Like I didn't really get a good window into what he was doing while, while I was growing up. Yeah. He was definitely successful, but I didn't really get too much learning there. I have overspent on knowingly overspent and gladly overspent on like people like find like good accountants or really quality lawyers. Like over this past year, I wanted to figure out an equity plan for the software business. So I spent a lot of money on five different lawyers, each of them like thousand bucks an hour, just educating me on, I would just hop on the call with three of them for two hours and be like, tell me everything that there is to know about equity plans. And they would just lay it all out, you know, all the different categories. Like if you're this tax qualification versus this tax qualification, what kind of unit options could you offer? What kind of equity plans? Are you an operating agreement partner? What does it look like if you exit this way or if you stay in business this long? All that kind of stuff. So I would just over, I've overspent a ton, but I, t- I treat that as tuition too. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my tuition. Thankfully I had a business that was paying the tuition. <laughs> you know, I think that's super yeah. smart, you know, cause that's something that I'm running into, you know, and I run into on occasion, like putting together a proposal. How do I protect myself? And yeah. Yeah. there's so much to know. And I haven't hired a lawyer, but there's, Many times I probably should have, you know, I kind yeah. of rely on people, my coaches, I have copywriting coaches that have yeah, more business yeah. experience than me and they usually chime in, but they always tell me, I'm not a lawyer. You may want to check, you know, so yeah. something. well, the good thing is like the other thing too, that that's happened a decent amount is like, you know, I'm, I'm also, I encourage you know, our people if they want to start side gigs or something like that. Like I, I couldn't not do it myself. So I was like, yeah, do it. And then like, well, I, use me as a resource too, you know? So like there's, there's one guy who just started a, like a consulting company. His wife is in a doctorate program and he wants to start consulting. And they're like, Hey, can we like look at your agreements to help figure out like what we should do? I was like, just take them, <laughs> like, you know, they're not, it's so, you know, I'll send you over my agreements for sure. Like I've got tons and tons and there's a lot of money spent on them so you can have them. But I feel like that's a uh, part of too. It's like, bigger than me you know it's like yeah this this stuff we're all i i feel like there's a lot of if you're approaching it with the right mindset and a people-centric mindset and playing a longer game it works out really well so i'm glad you're working with people that have that i'd be happy to do that too if you need need some of the agreements or if someone out there you know wants to talk about some of the things i've learned free of mm-hmm. charge i'll give you every all my notes <laughs> so you know, at least that's, use that as a launching point, right? <laughs> yeah, that's super helpful because it's so important because a lot of times you don't realize things until you've done them wrong or you end up, yeah. you know, like not setting boundaries, you know, legally or whatever. Like in my case, it's like how many edits am I going to do on a piece of copy? And, yeah. You know, if someone, uh, I'm working right now with, like I said, a, a high level copywriting coach and he's had a lot more experience than me. And he says, you've got to set like in your contract, when are you available? what you know how many rounds of edits and if you don't do that then you have to stand on you know and yeah and it's one of those things sometimes you learn the hard way and that's fun. <laughs> yeah yeah well wh- one thing um that uh, that reminded me of not in that but th- I, I think that's great advice just to say off the top but one of the things that i have noticed with some of the people that i've hired to help educate me on different things is their opinion is also siloed like you know so for instance I ran an analysis when we picked up the software company last year on like how much time we actually spent on implementations. And there was some outliers where like we would spend two, three times the amount of time on 
with that client as compared to another client. But there was a pretty set average. So even for challenging clients that were like super, you know, needy there in a good way. I mean, you teach their own, but I figured that it would be better, easier to sell even too. If it was just like, this is the fixed price for our implementation. We sometimes we went on it. Sometimes most of the time we lose on it, but you know, we're trying to invest in a longer relationship with you guys. And we saw a, and then, and then we also were able to kind of move a lot of the value of the contract into the recurring portion of, of that, that contract. So. We saw a, it was a 3x increase in like the annual recurring value of our contracts when we did that. And then we also saw a 4x increase in the number of net new clients that we brought in over a two-year period. So it was like, even if we had kept the same rate, we would have already had a 3x growth in like the contract value, net new contract values coming in. But it was, it was interesting how like always, I always try and like bring in as many points of view as possible without being overburdened and make a decision with opposing opinions. So like I, I would encourage people as they do that, like take that person's advice, but go try and find somebody that believes something directly opposite right. and hear all their reasonings because then you can make the decision for what's best for your business and what you want to run. And that's that's always, I think, the best route, you know, and you'll yeah. end up building the business you want to work for and work into, you know. It's interesting you say that because I had a situation not too long ago that I ran. I belong to a couple of different copywriting groups and they're both run by high level copywriters. And I ran the same situation and scenario past both of them. Yeah. And they both gave completely opposite opinions. One said, this is an absolute great idea. And the other one mm. said, this is the worst idea ever. Don't do it. Mm. And mm. so I had to really sit back and think about, well, each of them had different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, one person runs an agency, and so her perspective was vastly different than someone who the person who didn't. So yeah, I had to kind of figure it out by myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's good. Yeah, the, there's a good book. It's a it's a it's a massive book, but it's called Principles by Ray Dalio. He he ran a, a hedge fund, but he has like a whole method. He calls it the meritocracy, where he tried to set up a, a structure where everyone's opinion was classified based off of the merit that they bring. So like to your point, it's like it, it almost helped round out the opinion. You know, it was like, if I want to do this, then this person's opinion is weighted larger than this person. Well, I was going to ask you, so what, what advice would you give someone who's starting a new business? Like say you had to start a business completely from scratch. I mean, what would you do? Like, how would you start? And what, what advice would you give someone? I'm a, I'm a big proponent that the market ultimately decides on a lot of things. So I would encourage people to be less hung up on hammering out details initially. Sometimes it's challenging to do, especially if you know a lot about your craft, but to go and start having conversations with potential customers and just build those relationships. The worst case scenario is you got relationships with potential customers doing that best case scenario is they've helped you round out what your business should be about and what's going to serve them best. And there's oftentimes, especially if it's like start a podcast, right? And invite them on. Don't you don't even have to distribute the podcast, but just invite them on be like, Hey, we're talking about this topic and I'm trying to get a, a feel for what people think about these categories within this topic. You know, so you're starting a, uh, I don't know, like a, a water bottle company and you're going to bring on some distributors for the local grocery stores. It's like, what do they care about when it comes to pricing compared to a shelf space compared to 
the relationship with their vendors or things like that, supply chain, all those, you'll get a lot of those details. And then when you go to sit down and figure out how to start your business, you've got the market has made and you've tested those assumptions against the market before you've even really developed your deliverables. The other alternative way to do that is to go and do bad deals. And the only reason that those deals are bad is because it requires more of your own time. So like that gives you the opportunity to start generating revenue, but it also gives you a massive learning opportunity. Make sure you've got a, a term contract <laughs> so you can walk right. away from the deal if you want. But if you go and do a bad deal, just in the sense that this is going to require way more time than it's probably even worth for me to do, you've at least got some examples to show. You've got some credibility. You've got some traction going. You can kind of use that as a launching point to kind of build the business there from there. Well, people to tend to do the to do the opposite. Like they come up with something they think is a great idea and everyone thinks their idea is a great idea, but they haven't checked to see if yeah. there's even a need for it or if people are willing to pay them for it. Right. So then they, right. they bring it out and they present it. It's like, oh, I don't have any customers. Well, maybe you should have started with <laughs> that yeah. first. So Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's why I started with that topic over another, because like some people who like say they want to start a manufacturing business and they've got to buy, there's a massive capital intensive component to that. You don't want to, the only bad deal that you're going to do is going to harm you with your, the capital that you've invested. And it could end up tarnishing your brand um, if that's the type of business that you're starting. So again, even that opinion, you have to nuance because my perspective is starting with a services based and software based business. So it's very flexible. You know, there's not a lot of capital intensiveness to it on the front end. So definitely speaking from that bias, but yeah. I, I would encourage people to think about how they could apply that in any, any area though. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So where can people find you? If they want to connect with you and find out more. Primarily on LinkedIn. I try and be as present as possible on LinkedIn. Do a lot of like videos, either post run or coming into the office and first thing in the morning, but just Steven Rosenthal on LinkedIn. And then also my, my podcast, Business Over Breakfast. We're starting to do a, we haven't started launching them yet, but we've got a few in the hopper like a weekly debrief with one of the the guys that just came on board in the company. And then one of the guys that was on board when we first started, we kind of do, we try and do a, a weekly debrief about what we're learning week over week about business, about building business, client relationships, people management, all that kind of stuff. Finance, uh, spit a lot of the stuff that we learned from the professionals too on that. So those are probably the two bit, two primary places. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been great information and interesting to hear about your jujitsu career. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.